Welcome to The Sword and the Trowel, a podcast of Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. I'm Jared Longshore. And I'm Tom Askell. Thanks for listening to The Sword and the Trowel today. So glad that you are with us. We are very excited about our conference that's coming up in January, January 21st through the 23rd, right here in Cape Coral on the Doctrine of God. And we want to let you know that if you're listening to this, uh, this is dropping tomorrow, our time. of Tuesday, it's dropping. We are really running out of space. So we're not just like saying we're not space um, we probably have only a few slots left and we can see registration being full very soon so if you're thinking about coming to join us in january you want to register now <laughs> yesterday and uh you know what we'll, we'll, we've We're talked trying. about other options maybe there's something that we can do to somehow get a bigger space and then have more people come we'd love to do that but we just can't guarantee that's going to happen so we've got vody bacham who's going to be with us yeah. we've got you speaking i'm speaking we have james dolezal who's done great work on the doctrine of god divine Simplicity and other matters. Chad we Vegas. have Chad Vegas, a pastor out in California, who will be with us. And then we have Virgil Walker and Daryl Harrison yeah. that are coming, the Just Thinking podcast guys. We're delighted that they're going to be with us. We're actually going to be doing a live podcast. Just, just Thinking About the Sword and the Trial podcast <laughs> with those guys. And since the um, conference is on the Doctrine of God, we're going to be doing God and the State with those guys, yeah. which is very fitting because they have a new book coming out with us. That's right. Founders Press announced last week that uh, we are. Uh, in negotiates or actually finished negotiations and contract with Daryl and Virgil for three books that uh, they will be writing over the next year or so. The first one's going to be God in the State. And in fact, we just got the first draft of the first chapter yesterday mm-hmm. or last night or this morning early. So I'll be working on that tonight. And uh, we're hoping to get it out in time for the conference. No guarantees on that, but God willing, we, we will have at least uh, uh, something available for the conference. We're very excited about them. They, they produce such good content. I mean, mm-hmm. if you listen to ju- the Just Thinking podcast, you know these guys are, are just uh, excellent in the way they think about cultural issues and contemporary matters from a biblical point of view. So we're wanting to get that in book format and address several of these key issues that they've been talking about for the last couple of years or so so that the books can be readily available in in different contexts that podcasts just don't really fit into. So another thing that uh, Daryl and Virgil are going to be doing is they're going to be a part of season two of Wield the Sword. Season one Mm -hmm. has already been filmed. It's in post-production. We think the first episode is going to be ready sometime here in the next few weeks and looking forward to release that on Amazon Prime, I'm told, right? Yeah, yeah. And season one's going to line up really with the fall, so they'll be coming out episodically. We've got five of those that are dropping. And then uh, season two will be in the works. We're going to be gathering the footage uh, soon, and then that will go to post-production as well. So season two will be down the road a bit but we do have this opportunity for a matching gift right now that people can support uh, what we're doing with Wield the Sword. Yeah, we, we God's uh, been very kind in, in raising up a donor that was willing to say, hey, I want to encourage others to uh, give to this project. And so there's a matching gift. So right now, if you give $10, it'll count as $20. It'll be matched uh, dollar for dollar. And that goes, I think, through the middle of November. And uh, we do need your financial support for this. There's a lot of moving parts in putting together uh, a, a film, things I never knew about, and just hidden expenses that are all over the place. And so in order for us to have the money to move forward with the filming of the five episodes of season two, we we are going to need financial support. So if you have the ability to do so, if you just go to founders.org and look at the Wield the Sword page, and you can read about that, you can read about the matching gift there. And if the Lord enables you to give, that would be a great blessing. It would move us further down the road because this is a project that we cannot uh, complete without financial support. 
Yeah. Well, things weren't already intense enough in our nation. Uh, This last Friday, Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, and now there is an open seat on the Supreme Court, and there is um, going to be a um, recommendation from Trump or a movement for that seat to be filled. And as we've talked about Ruth Bader Ginsburg and, you know, how can we be of help to our listeners uh, in the wake of her death and what's going on in our nation, one thing that's really crystallized for us is seeing uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, really her false religion of autonomy right. and equality, that she embodies uh, the philosophy that is adhered to by a lot of the people in our nation, and that even some in the Christian community have kind of flirted with and said, maybe we can buy into some of these secular notions of autonomy and some of these secular notions of equality and still maintain our Christianity. So it's striking to look at some of the things that she said, some of the things that she has stood for, and even some of her um, opinions, mm-hmm. and to see what's going on underneath. So some Christians look and they, they know that she was wrong on abortion. And some people said, well, she's wrong on abortion, but we really stand for other things. And the problem is, no, 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 no. She was wrong on abortion because she was wrong on her understanding of autonomy, her understanding of equality, all this stuff about women's. She was a great advocate for women's rights. I don't believe she was a great advocate for women's rights. I believe you're dealing uh, with when it comes to the Christian understanding of uh, male and female, Christian understanding of life and death, the Christian understanding of self-governance over a secular notion of complete autonomy. You're dealing with oil and water when it comes to what Ruth Gibbs. Ginsburg represented what she advocated for and what the Christian uh, would believe. Yeah, this is, you know, there are a lot of things to be said, a lot of things being said about uh, the notorious RBG, as she came to be called. And I've listened to some self-styled Christians and theologians and Christian leaders and such. Jen Hatmaker would be one example who who said of her, just, you know, spewing forth all this praise, well done, good and faithful servant, Mm -hmm. enter into your rest. Well, that's just blasphemous. And not everybody's been that uh, blasphemous in what they've said, but trying to understand her and, and trying to be appropriately kind. You know, this is the death of a image bearer of God. She has children and there are people, you know, close to her and love her. And, and mm-hmm. death is uh, an enemy. It was never part of what God originally created. Amen. And so we should see it as that. And, and we don't want to uh, encourage anyone to just, you know, dance on her grave. And God said that he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Neither should we. However, we you would rather be, that they turn and live. That's right. Yeah. Before they die. But we need to be willing to call wickedness, wickedness and evil, evil. And what Ruth Bader Ginsburg stood for was wickedness and evil. Yeah. And there's no way around that. I, I just think Christians need to be willing to say it. And the only way you'll be willing to say it is if you take God's word seriously. Right. And she advocated uh, for these things and it, what she um has done with her life influenced this nation. In Absolutely. Ways. And so there, I think there's, I saw that there's a children's book out on Ruth Bader Ginsburg and it's called I Dissent. And I believe she was one of the first kind of to part with the, with the history of saying, I respectfully dissent. She just removed the respectfully I dissent. And so being championed as a woman's rights um, activist, that way of thinking comes down to uh, the rising generation and then has an impact. Um, My wife was just telling me recently, I think there's a woman, I don't remember her name, but she's written a book called Girl, Wash Your Face and Girl, Stop Apologizing. I believe she went through a divorce and now she's recently been been talking about kind of raising girls to be autonomous Mm -hmm. in, in this idea that, in so many ways, Ruth Bader Ginsburg advocated um, is disastrous yeah. for for women. It's disastrous for if men were to, to uh, adopt it. It's disastrous if a, if a nation uh, holds to it. So it was 
Well, I was going to say, yeah, we, we, you know, we, we need to let folks know if they don't already know about what happened Friday night. After yes, she the died. great song. Yeah. So, which, so to give some background to this, I, I'm fascinated by Peter Jones and a lot of the work he's done with um, one ism and two ism. And so you'll have to go watch older stuff. If you haven't heard me say this already, a lot of people have, but he, he knew John Lennon. He yeah. knew John Lennon, which was fascinating. Together, think, yeah. And then he talks about John Lennon's oneism, basically his kind of paganism, neo-paganism, whatever you might want to call it, and how it's embedded in this song, Imagine. Well, it was so striking to see that people gathered on the steps of the Supreme Court the very night that Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, and they sang this song, Imagine. Mm. Um, so you brought up to me that they also um, <laughs> sang, Amazing, sang Grace. Amazing Grace. So, yeah, here we have it. I mean, this is just like a uh, almost a perfect paradigm, an example of what's going on in our culture as well as in our churches in some of our churches, many of our churches, too many of our churches where you have the worldview of John Lennon and imagine, you know, this utopian vision that if only we would do these things and get rid of all the inequities in the world and, and make everybody just the same, then, then the world could live as one. And then they sang Amazing Grace. And we want to hang on to our religion. We want to hang on to the sense of God. We want to hang on to the sense that, yeah, we're right with God, and we can have God, and we can have this worldview. Well, no, you can't. And what we desperately want to help communicate and help Christians to think about is you're either going to be for Christ or you're going to be against Christ. You cannot have it both ways. This syncretism that keeps creeping into the world, say, we're just going to buy a little bit of the worldview of those who do not know God, who do not believe there is a God, who are only creatures uh, and yet think themselves to be God or without any authority over them and think themselves to be self-sustaining individuals. You can't have that come into the religion of the Bible. Because the religion of the Bible starts with, in the beginning, God mm-hmm. created. And if you, if you lose that, then it doesn't matter what elements you might have, like Amazing Grace, that you try to bring in and wed to John Lennon's uh, oneism view of the world. It's not biblical Christianity. It's not what God has revealed to be true. So Ruth Bader Ginsburg lived her life according to her godless principles, according to her sense of autonomy, her sense of being a self-sustaining being, her sense of what equality and rights and flourishing uh, actually entail. And it is contrary to what God says. So all the people that are are saying, oh, she did so much for women. Oh, she promoted so many good things to make this a, a more perfect union. Well, no, she didn't. She actually rebelled against God and led countless numbers to go further in their rebellion against God. Yes. You know, knowing that God controls the course of human events, we call that providence, and and that he writes these wonderful stories, the fact that they sang Imagine and the fact that they sang John Newton's uh, Amazing Grace is remarkable. It's remarkable. It's showing us, it's giving us an opportunity to show us the religious nature of secularism, the Mm -hmm. religious nature of this, this ideology we're concerned about, and to help a lot of Christians. Christians wake up to it because you can gut our, you can even gut language, Christian language, if you want to call it Christian language, language, you can gut it and you can make it fit and people get caught. So, um, I once was lost, but now I'm found was blind, but now I see I got woke. woke. I I woke, but, but that's, so the structure of that is true. (laughs) 
we're dead in our sins and in our trespasses. And now we, we didn't see it. And now we do see it. But what we see is that there's a holy God and Jesus Christ is the only savior. And we are all totally depraved sinners against almighty God. And what, what they're talking about is not that at all. They're they're hijacking everything Newton stood for. And then they're pasting it on their own system. But there is, there is something captivating about it. That's why so many people are getting swept up in this way of thinking because I was blind that to, to the oppression that women were facing. Mm -hmm. And now I see, and and now I was blind um, to how people were transgressing upon my individual self-sufficiency and now I see that I am to be an independent person um, yeah. who, who sustains myself and who has a right to experience everything that any other individual experiences. I'm awake to that now, and it has such a grip on people. So let me, let me just mention here, Jared, you know, it, it just strikes me. This is this is a classic example of why we are doing Wield the Sword. And one of the sessions we have coming up in season one is on metaphysics. And it, no, that's season, 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 season two or two. three. Yeah, two or three metaphysics. We're going to be dealing with that because there are metaphysical realities that exist because of God. And then there are people who try to build metaphysical realities without God, and they're just false. And yet they operate to them. And we see this in Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I mean, she is operating on the basis as if there is no God and people are buying into that and you you just can't have it both ways. There Mm -hmm. is a God. He has determined what is right, what is wrong, what is good, what is evil, what is true, what is false. And you can't dip into a hymn like Amazing Grace and sing Imagine and think, oh, yeah, both of these things exist. No, they don't. Yeah, yeah. And and while Lennon's song is so catchy, you know, I sing her, Imagine There's No Heaven. It's easy if you try. You're like, oh, boy, it sounds so good. And then you're like, what? No. Why, why would I imagine there's no heaven? Because there is one. Like, That's right. There's an ontology. It is. <laughs> I, if you imagine, if you, if you, you know, imagine there's no wall. Imagine there's wall. no lightning. The, <laughs> it's a terrible idea. So let's spend some time with this song because it's interesting. They did. I, I want to kind of exegete the song quickly. And then I want to get into some of what Ruth Bader Ginsburg taught and wh- how we're going to mm-hmm. um, discuss the connection between the song and what she did. So imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us only sky. So there's no heaven. There's no hell. Even that very idea is kind of binary. And we don't like the binary. There's a rejection of the binary. What we want is just kind of rid Choice. yourself of that. Choice. And, you know, if, if so God is in heaven and the devil's in hell and really neither of them are, 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 are controlling you, neither of them are your boss. You just kind of get rid of all of that stuff. You know, even the conscience idea, there's an angel in there and there's a demon over here. You know, just get rid of that and realize that you really, you know, you've got everything that you need just, just in and of yourself. Imagine all the people living for today. So we're not going to worry about tomorrow and we're not going to worry even about the purpose of government, which has a huge uh, implication for some of what Ruth Bader Ginsburg did with uh, the Virginia Military Institute. Um, back one of her rulings was fasting. No purpose really outside of that. You're just living for today. Imagine there's no countries. Does that work out? Sure. Don't super, worry about supernationalism. Don't I mean, worry about any countries. Yeah, she wasn't a nationalist, so it isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill or die for, and no religion too. Imagine all the people living life in peace. So if you get rid of religion, get rid of borders, what you'll have is peace. 
which has everybody downtown singing Kumbaya together. You've just got to get rid of these kind of uh, binary notions. You may say, I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will be as one. The world will be as one. We get rid of all of this other stuff and we can be together as one. Uh, verse three, imagine there's no possessions. So give give me give me our stuff. I don't have any. Stuff. Give me our give me <laughs> I don't our pos- stuff. I don't possess anything. But if you try to get what's my, what's not my possession, I'm going to take you out. <laughs> all right. No no need for greed or hunger. A brotherhood of man. Imagine all the people sharing all the world. Mm. This really is. This has been propagated in so many ways through so many of our kind of customs. Uh, recently, the way the liberty has been reworked. Imagine strikes at the heart of that, and it really is this. This one-ism idea, get rid of your possessions, my possessions, get rid of borders, no countries, no heaven above, no hell below. And, and therefore, we can have this equality that is not based upon any divine standard and what mm-hmm. kind of what we ought to receive. But it's just, it's, it's free of everything. It's free yeah. of any kind of standard whatsoever. Right. And no teleology, no, no, no purpose, no, what's the end game here? And again, if you lose God, you lose the Bible, you forget, okay, we are created by God for God. There is a purpose in life, and that purpose is not just my self-sustaining, self-autonomous way of thinking about how I should be treated and what should be mine. No, you'll never go right if you start wrong, if you start off with the wrong understanding of reality. Mm-hmm. And that's where we are. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg is, she exemplifies that. I mean, some of her articles that we've read and some of her decisions, man, she just, uh, I mean, she comes right out and says it. Let me read this from 1985 North Carolina law review. Uh, this is a, an article that, uh, justice Ginsburg wrote called some thoughts on autonomy and equality in relationship to Roe v. Wade. She said, I appreciate the intense divisions of opinion on the moral question and recognize that abortion today cannot fairly be described as nothing more than birth control delayed. Ah, that's a great admission. I mean, birth control prevents the fertilization of an egg, prevents birth of mm-hmm. a child, a being that is uh, created in God's image. And it's huge that she admits that. Yeah. And so, we need, you know, it, it, it warrants the question. If abortion is not merely birth control delayed, then what, what is it? Is it? That's, what is it? She goes on. The conflict is not simply one between a fetus's, now she's not going to call it a child or a human, but a fetus's interest and a woman's interest. Ooh, fetuses have interest a too. fetus has an interest. Ah, okay. I mean, she seems to acknowledge that. Or she does acknowledge she, it. She's acknowledging the yeah. humanity. There's no way around this. You know, trees don't have interests. Yeah. And she knows this. And, yeah. and you know, you don't get to these level of, of judicial proceedings and not understand if you're saying that something has an interest that is actually in some kind of competition with the interest of the mother, what you're saying is that that thing inside of her, which I've called a fetus, is a life. And right. praise God, it is a life. It's, but she's saying that that's the way many pro-lifers have tried to frame the argument, you know, uh, you have the life of the child or the fetus in her language and the life of the mother. She Mm -hmm. said, that's not, it's, there's no moral equivalency here. That's what she's trying to get rid of. And then listen to this next statement. Also, in addition to those interests, also in the balance is a woman's autonomous charge of her full life's course. Her ability to stand in relation to men, society, and to say as an independent self sustaining equal citizen 
her, her ability to stay as a independent, self-sustaining, equal citizen. Yeah. There, it, that's her worldview. She has just taken it out and put it on the table for us to understand that in her mind, uh, people, and specifically women here, are self-sustaining. They determine themselves. Right. That's the poison pill. That's it. Think about the the phrase, what is in the balance, what has to be considered when it comes to the issue of abortion is this woman's autonomous charge of her full life's course. And this is why you can't... You can't look at what Ruth Bader Ginsburg thought and and um, how she ruled on abortion and disconnect it from the fundamental problem with her understanding of autonomy and right. equality. There's no place for Christians to be saying that if you're doing this, the problem is you're just seeding future slaughter of children. That's right. Because if you're dealing with it. I mean, let's just set it up. If, I, if I'm a young woman in society and you tell me you are an, you tell me I'm an independent person. I'm, I'm, I'm independent. I'm autonomous. As a matter of fact, in Ruth Bader Ginsburg's language, I am self-sustaining. I'm a self-sustaining equal citizen. And, and therefore, and I have charge over my full life's course. Well, nothing can stand in the way. You 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 have made me God, right. and you, so you have a seity. A seity in in um, in Christian doctrine is the teaching of God's self existence and the truth that He is self sustaining, and He is the only one who has that. No one else has that. God is self existent. God is self sustaining. We are not self existent. We are not self-sustaining, yeah. men or women. Neither one of us are self-sustaining. We are dependent creatures. He is independent. We are dependent upon him. We have no existence apart from him. Yeah. We will not continue to sustain ourselves if he does not give us what we need in order to be sustained. And we certainly don't control our full life's course. And if you buy into those foundational errors, you're going to end up killing children in the womb. Yeah, that's true. You know, uh, R.C. Sproul was a great defender of the aseity of God. We have a little clip here from him that we think will be helpful because we know this is a word that uh, isn't used in common vocabulary, but it reveals or it talks about a concept that is absolutely essential to the godness of God. So listen to this. We have the idea of self-existence or what we call in theology the concept of aseity. When I see that word on a blackboard, when I see it in a textbook, I know that the vast majority of people in the pew have never heard of the word. And it's so obscure and esoteric, they don't care about hearing about the word. But I have to tell you, honestly and personally, I see that word and I get chills up my spine. Because in that one little word is captured all of the glory of the perfection of God's being that what makes God different from you and different from me and different from the stars, the earthquakes, and any creaturely thing is that God and God alone has a seity. God and God alone 
exists by his own power. So, Jared, are chills going up your spine after uh, hearing well, that? Well, <laughs> it's glorious to think about. This is what's so. This is what's so offensive is you. This is taking this. You can see the connection between Romans one, right? Amen. So, so although what can be known about God has been plain to them in the things that have been made, they turn from worshiping the Creator to worshiping the creature, these, these things that have been made. And there's an exaltation of man to say that man somehow has uh, the worth that God has, that somehow uh, man is actually self-sustaining, taking these divine attributes and applying them to man is going to put you in a whole heap of trouble. And we, we love God. We are zealous for the glory of God. And so, yes, we have a big problem when people teach that man is God. Yeah. And, you know, man, I mean, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg lived an incredible life. And there's no doubt about this. I mean, she paved the trails for lots of things. And uh, you just read about her life and there you just recognize, okay, here's a person made in the image of God, denied that very truth that is fundamental to all of life. And yet by common grace, developed intellectual skills and, you know, argumentation. I mean, she's brilliant on, uh, on every level, I think we would have to say in terms of the law. And yet spent all of those good gifts fighting against God and and most notoriously in the advocacy of abortion and you, I, I think in her term one congressman from Georgia has estimated that over 30 million children in America were slaughtered uh, during her advocacy of abortion as a Supreme Court justice mm. and you look at that and we have to be prepared to say you know that's evil that's wicked right. she promoted wickedness in this nation, thinking that she was promoting what was good and virtuous. And this is so vitally important. And again, it drives us right back to what we promoted a long time, the, the synodoc we did last year. By what standard? Who gets to right. determine what's virtuous? Who gets to determine what's good for women? What's right? What we ought to be uh, advocating? What we ought to be trying to prohibit? God is the one who does that. And if you don't believe that, right. well, then quit calling yourself a Christian. I know, man. I was listening to uh, Peterson recently, Jordan Peterson. He was talking about the um, mother with child. And he was saying how this is just a this is just a fundamental concept. And you could see mother and child uh, even in other cultures outside of Christianity that this is important. And he's like, because it's the it's it's a it's the foundation of your civilization. And he's like, of course it is. Like who? It's he's for him. He goes, it's self evident. It's self evident. Mother and child, like I mean, at least don't like you know don't kill them. Like at least don't kill them. Well, you know people. It's just this is where you start doing things that are contrary to nature itself, right. because you don't you don't have a civilization without mother and child. Like it doesn't exist. And so, how can you get this whole inflated notion of autonomy? I'm, I'm independent. I'm autonomous. I was talking about this with my wife today. I know this makes a lot of feminists upset, but it's like a woman being autonomous. The, the idea is just insane. It's like you come from man and you make men. Like you can't. Like there's autonomy doesn't work in the idea. I'm not talking about that. Well, women shouldn't have self government. So we talk about that. that's a conservative sure. notion. 
but that's that there is a there is a law that comes to me from outside of me. There is an objective law, not something subjectively that kind of grows out of me, but I receive a God's law and then there's a law in society and I, I take those laws and I can govern myself in the sense that I can have self-control. Mm-hmm. I can have self-discipline. And I can order my life according to the law that has come down from above. And I don't need to be policed all the time. And I don't need to be goaded all of the time. That's great. But autonomy is the idea that I'm, I'm the legislator. That mm-hmm. there is no law. There is no standard outside of me. I, I make up whatever it is I want to do. And I'm, I'm self-sufficient. You know, again, it doesn't work because... We all, men and women, neither of us are autonomous, uh, we came from someone. Even that self-evident reality, you don't have to be a Christian to notice that, like, you, you, you didn't fight through prior to the womb and somehow, you know, earn your way onto this mountain that we call uh, the planet Earth. You didn't do that. Like, you came from someone. And then you were likely nursed by a mother. Like, you, you didn't go get the milk out of the fridge. So it's such an inflated notion that has such poisonous consequences because then from that position of autonomy, you're living entirely for yourself. Mm-hmm. And so you don't want to pass anything down. Like you don't want to give life to anyone else. You don't want to nurture anybody else. Why would you do that? Because you're an autonomous person. The point of your existence is not to try to bless others and help others. It's to try to... Um, be excellent and be seen as the greatest person possible in the eyes of the world. Yeah. How you understand the beginning determines what you think the end ought to be and what you shoot for. And so the whole idea of salvation, and this is where I see it coming into the church in, in just devastating ways, because we still have Jesus talk and we still sing amazing grace and we still have some biblical categories, but we're trying to, uh, wed those to this godless ideology. But if you have the the starting point of a Ruth Bader Ginsburg, which is godless, which is materialist, which mm-hmm. says that self-autonomy is the highest ideal. Okay, what is salvation? It is overcoming everything that stands in the way of mm-hmm. your being able to express however you've come to define your autonomous self. Mm-hmm. And what does the Bible say salvation is? The Bible says salvation is being reconciled to your creator, and you cannot do that because you've rebelled against him, and your rebellion has left you separated and unable to make amends. And so you need a redeemer. You need what only God can provide, which he has provided in his son, the Lord Jesus. Jesus has done it without his obedient life, without his death on the cross, without his resurrection. There is no salvation. And without your being joined to him through faith, there is no personal application of his saving work to you. So for Christians, for Christians to look at the embodiment of this godless worldview and say, oh yeah, man, so many good things have come through this embodiment of godlessness and materialism. And and can't we just have that? And can't we just celebrate that? You're not thinking Christianly. Right. Every now and then I'll I'll call this uh, false religion selfianity, right? And from that position, you mentioned the Christian system. You need to be reconciled to God. Well, not from not from what uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg taught, not from this idea of uh, complete autonomy. I don't need to be reconciled to anything. Like you said, salvation is not being reconciled to another. It doesn't. There's really nothing outside of my personal will and my personal purpose uh, that is relevant to me at all. 
So I'm self-sustaining, and therefore, uh, whatever it is that I want to do, whatever it is my purpose is, it's the things that occur in life are going to have to fit into that, which is relevant to one of the uh, opinions that she wrote regarding this Virginia Military Institute. This was uh, fascinating. This was um, 1996, United States versus um, Virginia, where Scalia was the only one to dissent. But basically what was on the table was a Virginia Military Institute that was male only, and then that was challenged. And I don't remember how it went through the lower courts, but it came down to 14th Amendment, this equal protection idea. And uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg wrote the uh, opinion of the court, which basically said this is going to this is a violation of the 14th Amendment. And therefore, women are able to go to this institute. They, they even created a second, uh, I think it was Virginia Women's Military, some kind of institute for women, but it was seeing that this isn't going to be sufficient. So women need to be able to go to this institute. And it was so interesting to read um, Scalia's dissent in um, Ginsburg's opinion of the court. And one of the things that Scalia kept pointing out is how Ginsburg continued to use this language, which was uh, from previous legislation, exceedingly persuasive justification. So the idea is that parties who seek to defend gender-based government action must demonstrate an exceedingly persuasive justification. If you're going to hand down any kind of government action that's going to uh, regard gender distinction and discrimination, you're going to have to have a really good uh, justification for doing so. But Scalia brought forth that the, um, the governmental objective matters. So is there a governmental objective for having a men's only military institute. And at least for Christians who are thinking biblically about the matter, we're going, well, absolutely. There's going to be a war. And what does the Bible say about war? And who is to go to war? And are we to train those men for war? But this is pressing into a place where I think a lot of evangelicals are are uncomfortable. I wonder how they would think about this. Like, what what would be your position? Would you be with Scalia on this, or would you be with Ginsburg on this? And from Ginsburg vantage point, what Scalia points out is she never she never addressed that governmental objective, and there's no need to because that's something that's outside of autonomy. For Ginsburg, she went back and said, some women want to go to this institute. Some women can meet the requirements of this institute. And since some women want to go, not all women, and since some women can meet the requirements, well, then this should be something that's permitted, which is right out of my personal desire, my personal ability. Well, how does that work with the whole? How does that work with the whole nation's purpose of a military training institute? Well, that doesn't matter because autonomy, equality, those are the governing factors as seen from the secular position. Yeah, and and we have bought into her way of thinking as a society more than we recognize. And again, I would argue even within the Christian church at many places, uh, sometimes I think that the way we conceive of uh, men's and women's issues has more in line with, you know, Annie Oakley, Annie, get your gun, anything you can do, I can do better. It's like this competition, you know, and that the only way to demonstrate the full personhood of a woman is if she can do everything that a man can do. When, you know, God's made women to be women, he's made men to be men. And uh, the fact that a woman uh, excels in things that a man will never excel at, or a man excels at things that a woman will not excel at, is no slight on either. Mm -hmm. It it, it just, it's, it's a loss of coming to grips with the fact that God made us and he made us to be male 
or female. So you, you can in one sense see the whole rejection of the binary in sexuality or as it's termed today in gender as just a, a further flowering of the worldview that Ruth Bader Ginsburg imbibed and promoted in her role as a uh, uh, an attorney, a litigator, as well as on the on the Supreme Court. So, you know, don't tell me I've got to be a man or woman. Uh, there are, last time I checked, I think 112 different genders uh, that are mm-hmm. being recognized that you can identify. And, and you can go read about these, and it, it's just, uh, it's crazy. It's like anything that comes into the imagination can be put on the table with equal uh, regard because why? It comes from me. I'm autonomous. You know, right. I determine myself. Yeah, I mean... Uh, as we are pointing out the error with uh, secular understanding or Ruth Bader Ginsburg's understanding of equality and autonomy, um, the what needs to be done is put forth the Christian notion of those things, which is glorious. And so you're not saying, oh, so you don't care about equality. And, uh, oh, and you don't think women can have any kind of self-government or they can't be independent in any sense of the term. Well, of course not. We've got, we've got beautiful um, texts in scripture that show us the true, the true um, pathway to walk on these matters. Genesis tells us that both man and woman are created in the image of God. Now, you don't get a better sense of equality than saying that you are both created in the image of God. Male and female, he created them in the image of God. He created them. And so, therefore, worthy of dignity, worthy of respect, worthy of being esteemed. You don't, you're not going to get a better sense of equality by getting rid of the Bible and getting rid of that notion of the image of God in mm-hmm. man and woman. And then uh, what is the perversion, right? So, so often error is a twisting of the truth. So there is something about this autonomy. Well, um, self-government, strength, uh, self-control, discipline. Where do you see a better picture of that than in Proverbs 31? The Proverbs 31 woman. This is a woman who, if, if I'm going to show how silly this notion is. Yes, the, the, what happens, I want to talk to my daughters. If you buy into this train of thought, here's a woman actually advocating that you are so autonomous and so in control of your life that there can come a point where what you need to do is kill your baby. You need to kill, you need to kill your baby in order to um, control the future state of your whole life. No, look at Proverbs 31. Here's a woman who is exercising self-control. She's exercising wisdom. She's involved in all sorts of things. She's involved in fabrics and she's involved in selling and buying and she's producing for the poor and for the needy. And she's laughing at the days to come. Strength and dignity are her clothing and her husband has no lack of gain because of her industry and her ability. And there's fruit everywhere. There's a life in every direction from this woman. This is the true vision of self-government, of discipline, of self-control. Yeah, and there's no slight to my masculinity because I don't have a womb and I can't bear a child. And yet we see today crazy notions of men trying to overcome that through surgical procedures because they think, oh, no, no, this is equality and, and women trying to be men and acting like that they are acting like they are men and calling themselves men. This is just, it's Romans 1 again. It's rebellion against mm-hmm. our creator. God has created us. We're made in his image. He's designed us to honor him, to glorify him. We will fulfill our calling as men or women in this world to the degree that we align with what he has revealed and we come to know him the only way that we can through faith in his son, the Lord Jesus, and accept joyfully knowing it's for our best interest what he has prescribed 
us to be. Yes. You know, from this vantage point, you can understand why we've seen some things on social media. People have pointed out um, many on the left saying this is war. Yeah. This is war. Uh, there's language of burn it all down if someone's recommended. There's language of everything is on the line. Well, why are you responding that way? Because <laughs> this really is a full-fledged faith commitment, an erroneous yeah. one. Your God is under attack. You're, absolutely. Your God is under attack. And so we want to look at that and say, well, uh, should Trump put forward someone to be on this court? Absolutely. And do we need a conservative judge who's going to fear God and to abide by the Constitution? Absolutely. And the message to all of those who feel that their God is being attacked is that there is a real God and his name is Yahweh. And he's the creator of everything that's been made. He is the only one who is self-sufficient. He's the only one who is self-existent and self-sustaining. And you absolutely are not. And we have sinned. We have rebelled against God Almighty. And we will suffer a great judgment that uh, there really is a hell below us. And there really is a heaven above us. And the only way to be saved from eternal damnation is through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who was made flesh, who is righteous, who laid down his life on the cross, who has risen again. You trust him and you live. You can't order your life. You can't try to somehow build your life so that you become even a moral person who will be accepted by God. The only way to be saved is by crying out to the living God, to the Lord Jesus Christ, and he saves sinners. Yeah. Yeah, so do away with John Lennon's Imagine and just sing John Newton's Amazing Grace. You know, it's what, what a wonderful song, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Not an autonomous, self-sustaining being. A wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. How? By faith in Jesus Christ. I was blind, blind to my sin, blind to the goodness and beauty of God, blind to Christ, blind to the gospel. But now I see, and I trust him. Amen.